Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, I'm joined as ever by Jonathan for Dugbert. This is episode number 101. How are you doing, Paul? Hi Steve, hi everybody. Hope you enjoyed our 100th episode and uh, I'm glad to be with you this evening or this morning or whenever you listen to it. But, uh, Steve, I'm, I'm good. Uh, it's been a really action-packed weekend to be honest in, in Sweden. So uh, we've got a, kind of a very special show for you today and we're going to break it into two parts. Yes, we certainly are. We're going to be, this first section is more sort of action on the field in both Asvenskan and Elita Serie and also the uh, European results that have been going on um, across the board. In part two, we're going to be talking about solely transfers in both leagues again. So we're sort of splitting the, the two sections up and we're going to we're going to start here with um, goings on in, in the Asvenskan and it really revolves around one huge match in, in Stockholm derby. The old gotten against a core and a rather a stunning outcome um jonathan yeah it's a great place to start and uh i have to say it's probably it's probably one of the most eventful games of the year it always is it's the stockholm derby your garden aik and that's where we're going to start this week's show uh, i have to say steve it's probably um how do i describe this it's it's like something I've not really seen before, if that makes sense. It was it was an incredible game. I think the first thing to say about it, uh, before we get into the, the scoreline and everything, fans back was a massive thing. You know, 9,000 fans, okay, it wasn't packed. There were bits of empty areas in the stadium, but, uh, you know, no, nothing really beats a Stockholm derby with, with a packed house. Um, 9,000 fans had to do, and it, and it did do. Uh, before the game, it was the usual kind of Swedish uh, ceremony of flares and, and uh, you know, smoke bombs and everything like that it was it was back to what we know uh from that point of view you know the game was delayed because of the flares which always seems to happen in these derbies the games always seems to kick off always seem to be delayed you tune in and you're like what's going on and then you realize that, that you know there's some flares hold it up the first 10 minutes is always played to like a puff of smoke you can't even you can't even see Henrik Goitem's goal in the in the seventh minute if you watch the highlights you can barely see the ball because uh, all you can see is smoke clouds everywhere on the pitch um, and, you know, games have been suspended in, in the past because of um, low visibility for the players, you know, because there's so much smoke and, and, and plumes and everything like that. Um, the fire, you know, you can see the flares in the background when Goitem scored his first goal, these red flares from the uh, AIK fans. So it really is a momentous occasion. If you if you can ever watch these games or if you can ever get to a Stockholm derby, I really encourage it because they are, they are real spectacles in, of Swedish football. Um, and this one was, well, it was a stunning... Uh, affair really it ended 4-1 to AIK in Neogarden in Neogarden's back garden and uh yeah there's been there's been some fallout to this match thing Be bearing in mind we went into the game uh with you know Neogarden were fighting to get to the top of the table Malmo had drawn and and, and uh Neogarden knew they could close the gap with a win against their big rivals uh but it didn't go that way at all AIK absolutely battered them um, Goitem scored the first. Radetinak equalised from kind of a set piece, but Seb Larsson, the the veteran, uh, with a kind of Ronaldinho-esque against David Seaman goal uh, from a free kick. He uh, he pretended like he was going to cross it. Was it a cross? Was it a shot? Who knows? And uh, you know he fired it straight over the head of uh, of the keeper, who you know was a bit of a keeper howl. He's had to come out and uh, kind of apologise, tail between his legs. Um, and then Stefanelli made it three-one. Uh, with a nice finish, a neat finish, but the, the the cream of the crop probably for AIK fans, the 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 goal that really had them, you know, uh, what how can I say, you know, the cat with the cream, 
was uh, Milosevic's goal in the 78th minute to make it 4-1. Uh, it was a set piece. He was there to to fire at home. And, and, and Steve, he, he does what every fan dreams of in this in these sort of derbies. Uh, he, he scored his goal. And as you know, it's, it's a bullet header from a corner. And he ran probably a full 100 yards, Adebayor style, to the uh, to the away fans and just simply copped, copped his ears together as if to say, can you hear me? And, uh, you know, fans have been sharing that meme all, all over social media. You know, that was the sort of the iconic uh, image of the, of the of the derby, just AIK rubbing it in to Jill Garden's face. Social media has popped off, I can tell you that now, Steve. AIK fans are like like cats with the cream. Jill Garden are despondent. I've never seen a club so despondent on social media, genuinely. Uh, and we're going to talk about the reason why shortly, aren't we? Because there's a there's mm. a backstory to this. I mean, from the, I mean, this this is a bit of a shock result, I think, because before this game, Jorgen had only conceded eight goals. They were joint top of the table. Um, you know, if they'd won, they could have gone three points clear. The result actually has big ramifications. Malmo and Jorgen on thirty points each. Suddenly, AIK are in the title race. They're only three points behind. And, uh, you know, Elfsborg, even there, not ruled out. They're only four points adrift. So, really significant result, um, which, I mean, did you see that, that coming? I mean, we did, We know they've got a terrible record in derby matches. We know that. We're going to talk about that. But um, to me, that's a shock. Big shock. And no, I did not see this coming in any way, shape or form, if I'm honest. Uh, you, you've rightly pointed out just then. You know, Jurgen went into this game knowing if they won, they'd be, they'd be top of the table. You know, Malmo had drawn, like I say, at Halmstad. Um, I think they'd given, I think they'd given it away a little bit. We'll, we'll maybe talk about Malmo in a minute, but they, they rested players ahead of their their big sort of uh, European match, uh, and it backfired. You know, they they they, they drew a you know a middling uh, Halmstad team who were a, a wily team, but you know Malmo were expected to win that uh, and didn't. So the, the 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 gamble of you know resting players backfired, and it, it meant that Jurgen knew going into this game, win it, and and you're top of the table, and you know we're we're one game away now from halfway through the season. So that, that that's that's not to be sniffed at, you know, halfway through the season to be top. Um, as you've also rightly pointed out, they, they'd conceded eight goals in 13 games um, prior to this match. I remember you you praised them last week for their, their their defensive record on the last show, and then in one game they concede 50% of that tally. Um, so an AIK aren't even really like you know huge goal scorers to be honest. I mean that you know they you know before this game they scored seventeen, which is lower than you know it's it's sort of average really. I mean if you take this game out of it isolate in isolation, Ostersen's at bottom of the league and they've scored fifteen. So you know going into the game, AIK weren't this team that's firing in all cylinders, but they really took them apart. I mean it kind of unraveled in the second half, you know, in terms of the goals. Uh, and a lot of them, like I say, the set pieces. You know, they 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 were goals that you have to look at it from Jurgen's point of view in terms of the defending of set pieces. That kind of thing was really, really, really slack. But the the, the big story here, Steve, is is the, the the record and the context behind it because the background to this, Steve, is just I'm going to read out to you the stats in a minute uh, in terms of Jurgen's just terrible record. We've talked about it in years past. The ghost, the ghost of Stockholm that haunts Jurgen in these derbies. Um, and I'm going to read. They're going to read to you. Firstly, <laughs> I'm laughing when I, I'm laughing before I read this because some of the comments on Twitter from fans, you know, your garden fans have been up in arms, and I mean up in arms. Um, but let me first just read you the uh, the, the background, uh, the, the the record. Your garden's record in Stockholm derbies. We'll take Hammerby NIAK against AIK, who beat them four-one, as I said. Twenty-two games. 
in the last 10 years, three wins. Uh, they won one game in the 2018 Cup. Uh, they won one game in 2020. And then you have to go back as far as 2011 for their, their last game before that. So that's three wins in a decade in 22 matches against AIK. I mean, that is dominance. And yeah. you think to yourself, okay, you know, AIK are dominant against, uh, against you guys, but it can't be that bad, can it, with the other Stockholm team? This is their record against Hammerby, another team based in Stockholm. 22 games, exactly the same, exactly the same outcome, three wins. So that's six wins in 44 matches in the derbies in 10 years. Uh, that one, that one against Hammerby stretches back to t- 2009. Uh, Hammerby were relegated um, in that in that you know uh, that year, but uh, yeah, in, in in they've only won three games: 2007, 2018, and 2019 in the cup. A dreadful, dreadful record for Uruguay, and that really has created this storm. Uh, despite them being, you know, like I say, at the moment second in the table, you'd feel sick, wouldn't you? I remember, I think it was Saint Etienne in france had a very similar record against leon for a long time they just couldn't beat them um and it, it really when you can't beat your nearest your biggest rivals in your own city or very close by then it, you're gonna be pig sick aren't you it's as simple as that and well i i i don't really i actually don't believe much in football head to head you know a lot of people ask me uh betting advice and tips and, the, and one of the first questions that always comes up is how seriously do you take head-to-head records? The answer is I don't take them very seriously at all. But there are always exceptions. And for me, the exceptions are in derby games and when it gets like this, because that is when it becomes, for me, mental. It's got to be a mental thing for the players. They're going to be reminded about it every time before a derby game. And it sounds to me like they probably got into their heads again, unfortunately, for your garden's sake. And, um, you know, can they can they rebound from this? They probably can, I suppose, but it's a bitter, bitter blow. Yeah, I mean, six wins in approaching 50 matches in, in derbies. And, and don't forget, you're going to have won titles in this period of time. You know, they won the league, like, um, you know, the season before last. So it's not as if they, they're they a small team against these big boys. Or so. It's not like, you know, let's say West Ham against an Arsenal or a Chelsea, where you're like, OK, you accept the fact that you're, uh, you know, you're the, the you're the lesser. You're going to consider themselves to be equals to AIK and to be above Hammerby, really. So this record is, it almost defies logic in, in some ways. Now I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you one of the comments, <laughs> and that's the reason I laugh. I'll see if I can get through this comment without laughing. So um, one of the things I like to do, Steve, uh, being uh, the sad case I am, is whenever teams, whenever teams get battered in these sort of games, or whenever there's a shock result, I have to be. I have to admit, I do have a bit of a guilty pleasure of going on social media, check, going through Twitter, and reading the comments from fans when you know, let's say when a goal, when a goal goes in, or when the final results announced, you know, that kind of thing, just to get, just to gauge the mood. I'm just going to read you a comment from at Novardi No Party One when Jurgen conceded the fourth goal and announced it on Twitter. Go on. I'm going to try not to laugh at this. <laughs> how shall I explain? <laughs> how shall? I... <laughs> how shall I explain this to my children? That we are a fucking soft ice cream association. It is your fault, my children. We bullied at school and do not dare wear Jurgen clothes to school. Shame, shame on you. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, though, isn't it? This it becomes when it's a match like this. It's not just a result. It's the whole pride of your families and your your schools and your workplaces. It comes into factor, doesn't it? They're going to be embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, listen. 
I mean, that tweet got five, nearly 500 likes and uh, 30, 117 retweets. Now, I don't know if it was an AIK fan kind of basically trolling and if he really meant that. But, you know, the, generally you scroll through the comments at, at the full-time whistle and, and during when the fourth goal went in, and it's, it's generally that kind of thing. You should be ashamed of yourselves. There's been other comments from, uh, from, from fans, um, you know, Diff Stockholm, Tom Wire, who we, we actually follow on Twitter. He said, you know, the team should be ashamed of themselves collectively. And he was basically saying, don't, don't abuse players individually, but as a collective, this, this team is a disgrace. Um, players are getting really called out on Twitter as well. Of course, as you, you can imagine this day and age, you know, on social media, things like that. Um, Joel Asoro, who, you know, I've wrote a Wisecat blog on, he's, he's having a tough time this season, I'll be honest. Um, not really filled up the expectations. Chilofia has, is in a bit, a bit of a bad run. Uh, Magnus Eriksson, who was player of the month in Osvenskan, he went missing. AIK fans have been loving that. They've been ripping it into the Geo Garden podcasts. Like wherever you go at the moment, it's like social media warfare. AIK fans, are, <laughs> they're out there and they are rubbing it in, you know, just as you do in typical um, Derby fashion. But the Geo Garden just didn't, just didn't turn up. Uh, there was a statement put out earlier tonight, which I'll, I'll just read to you quickly if, if I can. Um, it, it was said that, you know, uh, hang on one second. I'm just going to get you the statement that was put out from uh, a Geo Garden supporters group. It says, we have had to live with this shame for 10 years. Our players keep exposing us to this shame. It is time to say no. From now on, this is unacceptable in derbies. Every player wearing our shirt, we will not support you in any way unless you give something back to us. We require blood, sweat and tears from, uh, from our players playing in a derby for our club. We demand an excuse from all of them, including management. We demand a roadmap to get this solved. We, the fans of Diff, enough is enough. Signed by the Ultras and the other groups supporting Dior Garden. And the translation there is from at putter64. So thank you so much for your translation there. This just sums up the move, Steve. The, the, the tweet was read uh, in capital letters, enough is enough of that statement. Diff fans, and this is what I mean about the context, because they're second in the table. You think to yourself, well, they're in the title race, looking fairly good. But this this defeat and the manner of it in terms of the way they've lost AOK is just, it's really riled um, the, 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 fan, the club's fans. They, they are fuming. Six wins in 44 games, and they are absolutely... Yeah. Furious, and just to just to just to uh, you know just to cap that off, you, what you got to also bear in mind here is that AIK fans, you know, AIK like to think of themselves as that. Diff like to think of themselves as competing with AIK. You know, they have that eternal rivalry. They really do not like each other. And AIK, the way that when they always think to themselves, no matter how bad it gets, we're, we're better than your garden. Do you know what I mean? That's the mentality of AIK. And these kind of games, you know, they're lower in the table. AIK had a terrible season last year, don't forget. You know, Jurgen weren't, you know, Jurgen were okay, didn't win the league, but, you know, they, they won it the season before that. AIK have had a tough year or so. They've taken some beatings in the league. And, and this, this feeling they have is kind of like, no matter how bad things get, we're still better than Jurgen. And that's what they, you know, sort of showed in that derby winning 4-1 and their fans are just absolutely loving. I mean, it's, it kind of suggests from those tweets that um, they've, 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 they've lacked that uh, blood, sweat and tears over the years. Maybe that's where they, they struggled in terms of the uh, the results. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll move on now. But I mean, in terms of the actual title race, I mean, do you see it being, um, I mean, how impactful is that? Can can AIK, yeah, they're at three points behind Malmo now. Who is the more likely of these two teams to win the gold medal, would you say? Um, <clears throat> it's an interesting question because I, I, you know, I think the underlying numbers, you, you'd probably you'd probably still look at, at your garden. Mm. Um, but I think there's real psychological damage here, and that I think that's the thing that 
I think that's the thing that really makes this game so compelling and, and why we've talked about it for quite a while. This this is a sort of turning point type match. You you get games sometimes in the season where perceptions just go out the window and, and, and things completely spin on their head. And I just get the feeling that, that, that that's kind of where we are now. You know, Bart, Bartos Grizzlak came out after the game uh, and he was absolutely buzzing. You know, th- this game, like I said, was played in, nine, in front of 9,000 fans. He said, you know, this is a, a reward for our fans. Um, he said, we're not going to get too cocky. You know, there's a real feeling of like, yeah, we're AOK are back now. That, that that's the feeling at this moment in time. And of course, that will get inflated because it's a derby. And you know, when you beat your biggest rivals in such a way, when you batter your biggest rivals, you, you're you're going to be on cloud nine for a good week or so. But but really, what it's done is it, it's shown them that they're not that far off it now. Um, so you know, Alexander Milosevic came out afterwards, the, the guy who scored the goal and cupped his cupped his fans uh, his uh, his hands to the crowd. Cups his ears to the crowd. He said, you know, we, we can't get too cocky. We have to focus game by game. We have to continue to work hard and be humble. Um, but what Grizzlak has said, I think it is quite telling. He said, um, it could be a lifetime experience for us. We talked about enjoying it. The feeling is that we're very nice. Many of our players have been, uh, have been sort of, um, there's a new feeling triggered in our players by this. We handled it very well with positive energy. Uh, and I said to the boys, let's, let's make this a day to remember. Um, and the big thing he said is it means a lot for our self-confidence. If you look at the team in last season, he said it was a, it was a quote-unquote shitty year for us. Uh, it's been about stabilising things and then trying to build something. We've continued building and building and building, and uh, this victory uh, means a lot for our supporters and our club, and it gives us the next mental step, and I, and I think that's the key there, really. This is a mental victory for AIK in terms of psychologically. They can now go into the rest of the season, um, and you know, like we said, they're, they're three points off the top of the table now. So... From that point of view, it's massive, but also just that boost it gives them in terms of yeah, we can compete with the big boys, we can compete with your garden, um, and and let's carry on from here. Because don't forget, they lost to Hacken, they lost to Nor Shopping, lost to EF Core, Drew and Malmo. So this this will really give them a lot of confidence. Um, the next few games they've got serious Hacken, Orebro, Mialbi. So you know if they win those four, for example, then they really are they really could consider themselves in the title race for sure. Yeah, there, there is certainly a race because Malmo have dropped points, uh, nil-nil draw away against Halmstad. And, I mean, I mention Halmstad every episode. They are absolutely boring bastards, aren't they? Um, 12 out of 14 matches ended under 2.5 goals. Their matches average just 1.5 goals in them. The, at home, it's unbelievable, Jonathan. Seven matches, seven games have ended under 2.5 goals. A total of just seven goals in total in those seven games. Um, I mean, but they, they find a way to shithouse teams, don't they? They get these nil-nil draws. I mean, I dread to think how many nil-nil draws they've had. It feels like half their games have ended nil-nil. They're, they're t- really hard to play against, aren't they? Um, especially for favourites. Uh, hard team to break down that four-four-two system. But, uh, I mean, well, Malmo, I know, you, I think you said they rested some players off air to me. We're going to talk about the Champions League match against the Rangers soon, but... Um, Will they regret them two drop points? Do you think? I think they could well could well end up you know that could well end up costing them the, the title. To be honest, they, they I'm not going to say they're complacent, Malmo, but I I, I I just sense this kind of um, you know they they're not taking the league that seriously at this moment in time. I think they've got they've got their eye elsewhere, and I think um, it, okay if they beat Rangers and they go through it, or you could maybe say that it's vindicated. But they've rested Kolak in two of the last three games now, and. Um, you know he's their top goal scorer and he's a fantastic player and I'm just wondering in my mind like what 
all right, it, worked, it was okay uh, against um, Mialbi, I think it was. You know, they, they managed to get away with it. You know, they, they are battering teams, and, you know, in the last, you know, they beat, beat Degaforce 5-0, Sirius 4-0. But that Halmstad game, obviously, is, is, is drop points they didn't need to drop. You know, and, and, and let's see where they go from there. The next game's the EF Court at home, and, you know, m- maybe if they qualify, it'll be considered to be worth it. But they, they are being caught up a little bit. So, um, so yeah, I do think I do think they gotta they gotta keep that in mind. Uh, obviously, the focus is Europe. They they've got a desire to be, you know, go as far as they can in, in European competition, and and you know who can blame them in, from that point of view. But uh, yeah, it, it will um, it will be a bit of a setback, and especially if they don't go through against Rangers. I mean, one thing I just wanted to say as well before we move on on that on that title race talk. You know, not only is this we this loss for Jurgen um, a psychological blow. There is a little bit of pressure now on on their manager Kim Bergstrand. I think this is the, you know there, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of question marks now uh, just from the fans in terms of what you know what is this, and I really think it's psychologically a massive blow because it doesn't it didn't really need to be um, this kind of big question marks about everybody and the manager and stuff. There's been so many comments about the manager, the players in the last day or so, and they're gonna have to rebound from that in, quite quickly. And, and the other thing, you know, we're gonna talk about transfers in part two. We're gonna have a bumper discussion about all the transfers going on so stay tuned for that in part two you don't want to miss it but um one thing you know obviously as we'll say now uh Aslak von Richry who I said on the last show is, is pound for pound the best player in Osvenskan he's just gone today as well to make matters worse for Jurgen so their best player has just left to AZ Alkmaar um now you know because you haven't been your fantasy team he's been the he's been probably the best player in the league for, for some time we'll talk about him in part two in terms of what he's done in the league but him leaving as well now, that's a hole for Yoga and they're going to have to fill it quickly because he's been a massive, massive player for them. So Malmo will, Malmo will still feel like they can win the league. They've got a new signing as well, which we'll talk about in part two, but um, they've got a few things to think about now. You know, uh, mm. they've got a big game, Hammerby away, 29th of August, and then the big one really, 19th September against Yoga at home. So uh, yeah, they, they need to just, just make sure they don't take their eye off the ball. Yeah, other results for round 14. We're nearly at the halfway stage in the Alsvenskan. Um, Norshipping 1, Kalmar 2, Raburg 0, Sirius 0, Jorgarten 1, AK 4, Elsborg 3, Degger 4 0, Hecken 5, Ossesund 0, IFK Jotterburg, Hammerby and Halmstad Malmo both ending 0 0. And Urubro 2, Mialby 2. Got a few draws around 3 0 0 in total. Weird old week, actually, Jonathan. Um, seemed like a few drab matches, but a few. Um, few with quite a few goals and then what else kind of stood out for you from that round of fixtures yeah well i, I was very frustrated by uh ef core hammond i thought there'd be goals in that game and if you look at some of the stats from that game i mean it was ridiculous you know uh could have been could have been about four two in in about 10 minutes alone um there were some big chances missed from both sides hit the post hit the bar marcus berg hit the i think the crossbar um yeah, there were huge chances in that game uh for, i was really surprised it ended nil nil I also fancied uh, Hammerby to maybe win it, but they, they just didn't have that cutting edge. Um, yeah, of course, the first draw is the first nil-nil. It's the first game without conceding, I think, since May 30th. So Mickey Starr is starting to impact a little bit, I think, his, his maybe slightly more conservative style. Um, the numbers are starting to turn a little bit in terms of uh, in terms of EF Core. They're looking a little bit more um, a little bit more solid. I think he's he's registered less crosses, slightly more goals on average since he's joined. So we're starting to get a little bit of data in terms of how he's impacting the team. Um, so yeah, nil nil. I think there was a bit of a. I didn't really reflect the game. I thought it could have been could have been a lot more goals in that, um, and should have been. 
And the other game that caught my eye that I watched was Nils Shopping Kalmar. Now, Kalmar in really good form, you know, having a very good season. And Nils Frolin. Now, I wrote about him for Y Scout um, about a year ago now in terms of talents to watch. And he, he had quite a big injury last season and kept him out for quite some time. And he missed uh, chunks of the season. But he, he's uh, he's back at it now. Uh, and I always think it's funny. He turned down Nils Shopping uh, about a year ago. And he came up today and popped up with two goals to, to win it, 2-1 away from home. The win takes Kalmar level with Nils Shopping. Um, uh, they're both well, sixth and seventh now. Kalmar, slightly worse goal difference, but both on 20 points from 14 games. Uh, both identical goals conceded 15. But Nils Shopping, slightly more goals scored. But Froling, Froling adds goals and he adds quality. I think he's an expiring contract, so I'm really keen to see who he can attract because I think he... I think he could play for a top health Svenskan club and if not, maybe uh, move abroad. But, um, you know, let's not talk down Kalmar because they're, they're having a very good season under under um, Reed Strom. And, uh, you know, usually, isn't it, Steve, we talk about them as maybe 13th, 14th or something like that. They, they're looking way above that this season and, and uh, can even maybe look towards top five, potentially, if they if they carry on this run. So, yeah, well done to, to Kalmar. They're really looking good. North Shopping, I'm a little bit... I'm a little bit, I wouldn't say I'm critical of them, but they, um, you know, six wins, six defeats, uh, same number of defeats as the teams like, say, Varberg boys, but they are a little bit, you know, hit and miss. And I think there's one or two players in that team who they're just not quite getting the best out of. I think Bergman Johansson talked about him so much last season. I think he's he's he, he, he's shown a little bit of a dip this season in terms of his uh, his output. I think he, he, had a, he didn't have the best of games as well. And I thought to myself watching the game, I thought, yeah, he's... Uh, Second season syndrome maybe is, is sort of hitting him a bit. But, uh, yeah, massive win for Kalmar. They're doing really well. Yeah, well done to Kalmar. North Shipping, I think we kind of expected maybe some teething problems this first season under uh, Norling, didn't we? But, uh, yeah, some uh, interesting stuff there. Just need to give one last shout-out on the uh, to Hacken. Um, their manager, Pemi T.S. Hagmar, has won Osvenska Manager of the Month. Uh, they've absolutely battered uh, Ostersen's 5-0. Uh, they're back on track. They really are at the moment. Um, Hacken, they're looking decent, very, very decent indeed. Leo Bengtsson, one of my 10 to watch this season, is back on the score sheet, two goals. Uh, Delahoe Irundus is back as well. He's on the score sheet. Tobias Heinz even got a goal. So, um, yeah, Hacken, you know, the, the, we talked so much, didn't we, about them being an exciting team full of attacking players. Hogmo is really managing to um, gel that, that, that attacking unit together. Um, and, you know, for Ossesons, I have to say, Steve. I think I think they're going down. I think I think they they look hope they look adrift at the moment, um, just totally bereft. But yeah, really 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 big win for Hacken. They they're they're doing really well. Yeah, the fair play to them. They rebounded well, especially especially after the uh, Europa Conference League uh, nightmare against Aberdeen. So um, and talking the Conference League, like I said, there were some really weird results around across the whole of Europe. I must say, uh, TNS, for example, the Welsh side there. Uh, had a shot when there was a few other shots around not so good for the swedish sides in this competition elsborg they could only manage uh, a draw against uh, a team from um the bosnian league and hammerby uh, lost uh 3-1 against uh kokoriki from the from serbia kokoriki sorry fucking hell bloody hell, i had to edit that one uh kokoriki in um from serbia they lost three goals to one but there's, we've still got the second legs to play on thursday um the big game was in the champions league qualifiers uh, malmo beat scottish champions rangers two goals to one and it was nearly better a very late goal from rangers um 
looked like it was going to be 2-0 on Malmo, and it's all to play for at Ibrox in the second leg. Uh, how do you see things going there in, in, in Scotland, Jonathan? It's a big game for both clubs, and um, I mean, Celtic are already out of this competition. It wouldn't be good for Scottish football if Rangers suddenly uh, got knocked out by Malmo, would it? Yeah, well, I saw that Dundee beat Rangers at the weekend, so, um, you know, a slip up there for Gerrard. And, um, you know, they, they, you know mm -hmm. they lost against Malmo. Uh, I think it was a close game overall, all things considered. I think that they, they, they Rangers were lucky to get uh, to get away with that sort of late goal. I think it was 95th minute, was it? 96th minute? But, um, you know, I, I read that they've kind of announced that there'll be a full full house. Uh, Rangers will be totally, you know, full capacity for this game. There's going to be a fiery atmosphere. Uh, that'll be tough for Malmo to deal with. I think, I think it will suit Malmo from the sense of, you know, Malmo are quite a, they like to play a sort of compact style. You know they're quite a compact unit. They can play in different different formations, of course, but I think you know they probably will go for a repeat of that sort of five-three-two uh, setup. They were quite conservative against against um, against Rangers in the way they set up. Um, you know Rangers had fifty-five percent possession, sort of dominated it slightly in that from that point of view, um, relatively even on in terms of shots, but but more more passes that kind of thing. But um, I, th I think from Malmo's point of view, I think it kind of suits them when they they can play on the back foot. So the question is, can they withstand that that pressure that they'll come under? Because they they will be under a little bit of pressure, I think. I think they will find it difficult to uh, withstand Rangers. I've read that Morelos will be back and that kind of thing. So yeah, it'll be a, it's going to be a massive game, you know. And uh, it, there's a lot of stake there, isn't there? Really, Champions League, both sides. It means a lot for them. So I think it's going to be a really really entertaining game. I mean, you know, I expect it to be kind of fairly similar lineup and and, and approach. Christensen was rested against Halmstad. Kolak was rested. Berman Savic was rested. I'm sure they'll come back into the side. And, you know, in that sort of 5-3-2, if they play that system again, they'll probably look to kind of soak up pressure from Rangers and try and hit them on the counter um, with, the, with the sort of creativity of Berman Savic and, and obviously the attacking thrust of, of Kolak. So uh, I'd say buckle yourselves in. This, this, will be a, this will be an exciting game. Yeah, I think it's really got the makings of going all the way, maybe even extra time and penalties. And uh, yeah, I know Yondal Thomason was asked by the media before the game, is there more pressure on Malmo um, instead of Rangers? It was a bizarre question. And he's gone and said that he thinks that there's a lot more pressure on Rangers because they need the money. Simple as that. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's talk about the finances in in, in, in Scottish football and Rangers is, 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 is not that great, is it? I think there's a lot of pressure on them to, to reach the, the group stage of Europe, perhaps the Champions League. So, you know, yeah, full house there, Ibrox. But if it goes against them, it could be a, you know, a difficult one for, for, for Stephen Gerrard. It's, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that game, actually. I think it's going to be a really, really close one, Jonathan. Do you have a prediction? I want to back, I want to back Malmo. Uh, but I think I think a, a packed house, you know, Celtic and Rangers when they have when they have the crowd behind them in these home games. I mean, you know, Celtic beat Barca once, didn't they? You can they can give them an extra five percent or so, and I think Malmo are going to have to withstand that because you know they've played for a good year or so without that kind of intense crowd to deal with, um, you know, with COVID and everything. So they really it's going to be sort of something they're not that used to. Funnily enough, the last time uh, Malmo beat uh, Rangers. They went bankrupt 10, 12 months later. So I think that's part of the reason he made those comments. Uh, it was it was Malmo that knocked the Scottish club out in the in the qualifying rounds. Uh, and as I say, you know, then that was the, led to Rangers' downfall, didn't it? And then them going bankrupt and everything. Um, so, yeah, I, 
Heart says Malmo, head says Rangers. Yeah, I'd probably go Rangers after extra time or something if I had to. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Just going to go a few over a few of the results from uh, the Scandinavian teams in Europe. Uh, Breider Blake, the one remaining Icelandic team, lost against Aberdeen, three goals to two. Aberdeen, a bit of a Scandinavian killer, aren't they? Recently, not veeking out last year, and it looks like they're going to knock a couple of teams out this year again. Um, the there was an int- locomotive, locomotive Plovdiv drew one all against FC Copenhagen, um, one all, which is a bit of a shock result. Uh, you know, you'd expect FCK to turn it around, wouldn't you? Second leg there, Buda Glimp had a shot loss in Kosovo to a team called Pristina. Um, two goals to one, really, really disappointing from Buda Glimp, but they would hope to get that back in the second leg. Brusenborg with a six woman against Domzale, I'd imagine. Uh, they're not going to have any any trouble there in the second leg. Um, Molder had an incredible three-all draw against Trasbon Saw, which I, I will talk about in a minute. And um, I think that's it in terms of the the Scandinavian sides in the Conference League. Anyway, I probably missed someone somewhere, but um, yeah, good and bad results. Uh, sort of a mixed bag, really, Jonathan. Yeah, a mixed result, a mixed bag. You know, um, we'll see if the teams can turn it round. Uh, I know that, for example, um, it's been interesting for your comments from Anders Christiansen. He's really criticised the Malmo player. He's really criticised the Osvenskan, actually, the, the the organizer of the league. Um, he said it's it baffles me why we can't play on Friday nights or earlier on the day and Saturday. You know, they, they've had they've had to obviously they've got a Tuesday match, um, and he's really annoyed about the, the the scheduling. He thinks it's too close to the game, um, the kickoff and everything like that. You know, an afternoon kickoff. He said, I don't know. Swedish football does not want Swedish teams in Europe, but it is very strange. Um, but yeah, you know, he he said that Mitch, you know, Mitchelland, for example, had four days rest between their games. Uh, he's saying, why don't they do that in Sweden? You know, why don't they help these teams get into Europe? So he he's been complaining. Obviously, Hammerby, like you said, lost. Uh, Elfsborg drew. So you know, he's really tried to emphasise the fact that they need those extra days rest to to recover. Um, because you know, in Osvenskan, there's no Friday games, for example, and and you know that most of the games are sort of Friday, uh, sort of Saturday, Sunday, sometimes even Monday. So um, yeah, he he really had a, quite a bit of a rant actually. He said, you know, we uh, if you play every three days, there's a big difference in recovery. Four days is much better for the body. You recover faster. It makes a big difference. Every hour counts. If you're traveling, you have travel days, hours by bus, plane. Every hour counts. So he really, he's really had a rant uh, about sort of Swedish football in general and what are they doing to help these teams uh, do well in Europe. So. You know, does that have a factor? Perhaps it does. Um, but, it, you know, in this case, uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Rangers played as well on Saturday. So so there's not much difference really between the two sides. I know they're at home, but, uh, you know, let's see if they can just deal with that. It's probably part of the game, isn't it, at this point? Yeah, like, the elite Assyrian has definitely made big strides in the last two or three years to try and help their sides in Europe. They make sure that the, the, the teams around this time of year have three weeks in the league to really focus on. And I think it's worked in the last few years, you know. Norway's had some decent success. They've got teams deeper than you would expect them to in in European competitions. And already, even in these qualifiers, things have been going fairly well. Um, So there was a couple of results I missed off. It was the Finnish sides, because HJK are in the Europa League qualifiers right now. They got a really good tour draw away against Netsi Baku over there in uh, Azerbaijan. Second leg to come and Cups with a one-all draw against Astana, Kazakhstani outfit. It's going to be tough going that far there for the second leg. But you never know, do you? 
maybe they can they can qualify as well. And the three all that Mulder had against Trustbond saw. I say I watched this game. I, I was stunned by what I saw. Uh, for a start, I was shocked pre-game that Trasbon saw were favourites. There were odds-on favourites, 1.85. Now, <laughs> I've got to be honest, Turkish football is not the strongest league in the world, is it? In, you know, I, I, just, I don't rate Turkish football. It's one of those leagues I like to kind of laugh about, really, because it's been terrible in recent years. You know, No one seems to go very well for them, do they, in Europe? And I thought Molde deserved a bit more respect, really, as a... You know they didn't. They reached the last sixteen in Europa League last year. But I've got to be honest with you, they were lucky to get out of here with a three-all draw. Jonathan, Trasbon Sport played incredibly well. They should have scored at least six goals. They created incredible amount of chances. And I don't know whether this side has been uh, got some sort of sugar daddy or something, or they've managed to get some good players in. And they had Jovino on the right wing. I didn't even realise he was there. Um, they've got uh, Hamsik obviously in the side as well. A few other guys that look decent, and um, this is a much tougher draw than I thought it would be for Mulder. Um, come up, I thought bloody hell, you know, it's um, this is a nice easy draw, but they did well get the, the three all out of it, and it's um, the return leg in um, in Norway. So, yeah, we've got um, an interesting tie coming up. Okay, great stuff. Uh, that's Europe covered. So, let, let's look at uh, there wasn't a full round in Elite Series this week, but let, let's just recap. Um, half the round was played in July, end of July, and half the round was played uh, this week as they've been cup games, haven't they, in the last week or so. Uh, big shout out to Sean Constable, by the way, who had a, had a famous win, which we, we talked about on Twitter, at Nordic Footpod. Um, but I'll just read you the scoreline, Stephen, and maybe you want to talk about one or two games that caught your eye. Um, so this is from Sunday, the 8th of August. Mjondalen 2, Tromso 3, Mulder 5, Haugesson 4, um, Sandefjord 1, Lillestrom 1. Viking three, Christiansen two, and Starbeck three, Sarpsborg one. Uh, take it away, Steve. Wh which games sort of were you able to catch? Which games caught your eye? Every game caught my eye. I was watching all of them, and they were all good games. Like uh, it was wild football. I mean, even the Sandefjord game that should not have ended one all. There should have been, let's just say, over two point five goal backers would have been pretty unhappy about the outcome there. I mean, the Molder match was three all, but half an hour. Um, crazy stuff going on i don't know whether it's because a lot of these teams have not been playing much recently um but uh, something was in the air for goals like no one could defend at all on sunday and uh obviously the molder match was was i noticed she had to take a bit of a pause of breath after reading that one out almost in surprise um it was a crazy it was one of them first halves where literally every chance just went in the back of the net though um you know probably the most significant result was Mjöndalen 2, Tromso 3. Massive six-pointer down the bottom of the table. I'm starting to get worried for Mjöndalen now. I just think they lack football quality in terms of, you know, technique and everything compared to some of these sides at the bottom. Starbeck with two straight wins now under Eirik um, Schoner. Very good win against Sarpsborg. And I'm starting to worry about Sarpsborg as well. You know, Lars Bohinen's had two wins in 11 games since he took over. They looked far more solid under Mickey Stara. They were boring under Stara, but they were far more solid and probably drafted a few more results out. And, you know, Mahinen got relegated, didn't he, under Arlson? So, or effectively did before he got sacked. A bit worried for Sarpsborg there. Um, but, yeah, the significance is that Starbeck obviously recovering a, really well now. Brown are, are rock bottom. They've not been in action recently, but they're rock bottom. And the Viking match against Christensen was, a, was an exciting game. So, 
yeah, some good football going on, Jonathan, and uh, impacted both both ends of the table. Yeah, I'm going to read you two name numbers now, and I'm going to see if you they ring any bells for you. Uh, 69 and 95. Well, 69 can mean many different things, can't it? Um, that's for 95. Careful. I don't know. <laughs> they are our positions in the Nordic Football Podcast Fantasy Elite Serian League at present. Uh, so you're not having the best of seasons, me. I've, I've had a really poor year in in in, in the Norwegian. Fan. I've been happy with my performance in the Alsvenskan fantasy, far better than I thought I'd be. But I've been, I've just not had. It's not my year in in elite Serian fantasy. I'm afraid. I've had the odd good week, but I've been really poor with some of my players that I've put in. I've missed a boat on. I mean, I've not had Oe in my team all year because I just expected him to dry up at some point. But he's just kept scoring more and more goals. Um, you know, I've made yeah. some good transfers, but I've, I've had a really shocking fantasy, mate. Yeah, I won't I won't go into I mean, I won't complain because I'm, I'm way worse. But, uh, yeah, I'm quite surprised to see you down there. And, and you know, um, you know it's, it's, you've got 80 points in the last round. So, you, you know, you maybe you're, maybe you're showing green shoots of improvements. But, yeah, you know, not having a, not, not a great year for the Nordic Football Podcast in general in the uh, Elite Serian Fantasy. Um, there were a few results in, in in this weekend, Steve. Where you know we have to give a shout out to uh, Eric Scherner. He, he's doing quite well, isn't he? Um, I saw one of the goals, and it was very sort of a very nice sort of tiki tagger style against Salzburg. Uh, they, they really seem to be picking up some results. Yeah, I've been impressed with Starbeck's recovery so far. They, um, I think it's been a slow process. He's not just coming first game and immediately got a result. It's been a build up of a few games. He's used the Norwegian cut well, I think, in terms of results. You know, grab a couple of tight wins, but a win's a win, isn't it? It gets your confidence going. Um, there's been a few new transfers in the club. I think I, I I said a couple of weeks ago, didn't I, the mentality impressed me the most against Mjerndal, and you wouldn't expect them to beat Mjerndal in terms of digging in and physical and grinding and that sort of style of football. Um so I think that's what he's delivered the most. Bear in mind, I predicted Starbeck quite high in this pre-season preview, didn't I? It was like sixth or seventh. So there was never really a lack of I think, footballing quality within the squad. So I think he's kind of harnessing now the potential that was always, always there. And um, they look really on a positive trend. It wouldn't surprise me if they started keep keep wrecking those points up, really. They're looking in a lot better state than sort of like Brown or Mjöndal and or Tromso right now to me and if he keeps this up they're gonna they're gonna comfortably survive there was a question on Twitter uh, from uh, David uh, Weatherston uh, at D Weatherston 11 Starbeck's current revival what's changed Edvardsson looking like the guy I thought he would this season recently thoughts on his progression um, well yeah hopefully I answered the the first part of that question uh, David um, as, uh, regarding Edvardsson he has just stormed into life recently. I think perhaps the player himself has maybe found it more comfortable under Alex Shona. And I think the new manager has put him in a position where he can thrive. He's, I've noticed him putting some really good balls through to him. He's, he's using his pace and his movement, uh, breaking the offside trap things like that. Just a few positional changes, which I think has made a big difference uh, for Edvarsson. But I, I saw some people uh, on, on Twitter, some Valorenga fans were, were saying, you know what, why don't we 
go in for this advancing. You know, we could do far worse than than, than getting uh, getting this lad in. And it can. I've seen this happen before in Norway and Sweden and other parts of Scandinavia, where a player just suddenly comes up suddenly into in, into everyone's eye line. It, it, it just has a habit of happening. I'm not saying this hasn't come out of nowhere at all with Advarsen. I think there was always going to be something with him, but it just feels like recently he, he's really progressed. So he's been a big part of their revival. Um, I, I, I certainly can can see them really progressing nicely. Yeah, and, uh, you know, V-King as well, you know, they, they impressed you? Yeah, they're, V-King are really up and down. They're like up and down like a yo-yo, mate. Um, you know, they win and lose a lot. Tends to be all or nothing with V-King. I think kind of what we expected of them this year, that they're going to probably finish around mid-table. Exciting side to watch. You know, they, 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 they're not boring. They go for the goals. You know, 27 goals scored, 29 conceded is, is a ridiculous number. And they probably lead the the league in terms of average goals per game. Yeah, four goals per game their matches contain, which is ridiculous. Twelve out of fourteen matches have ended over two point five goals. I mean, if you want a nil nil, this is not the place to come, is it? So, um, yeah, really good side watch on the day. I'm pleased that they got a win against Christiansen because you know Christiansen annoy me with their overachievement sometimes. Um, so we yeah, are well done to Viking there, and it's gone eight in the table. And I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to now a full round. The full rounds of fixtures are coming again now, Jonathan. Um, we've had too many bit part rounds where five, t- you know, five matches or four matches or six or seven matches. Now every round, I'm pretty sure, bar a couple of them, is going to be every team's in action until the rest of the season, barring like postponements, cancellations, and things like that. You know, we're into the second half of the season very soon. Yep. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it, indeed. Yeah, and just before we finish this section, there's a few other questions uh, that I want to answer. Um, RVP at uh, Elmagomata on Twitter, he asks, or it might be a she, I don't know, um, the best underdog story so far this season? Well, definitely for me in the elitist area, and it would be Sanderfield, because I think everyone said uh, you know they're going to be rock bottom, uh, without Marty Fuentes as manager, and so far I think they've got 20 points. They're going along very nicely indeed. So I'd say that is the best underdog story. Uh, Michael John, uh, at Michael1972, 1111 on Twitter, asks, You mentioned recently that there were more draws than normal in the Elite Series in this season. Is there any particular reason for that? Well, I've actually just gone back and looked at the stats, and I may be a bit incorrect, actually, because in 2019 there was 30% of matches... Uh, ended draws so far we're only at 27% uh, this season uh, for draws and last season it was 24% draws so um, I, I, it might, uh, there has, hasn't been as many draws in the last couple of rounds so uh, that's brought it down a little bit but 27% draws is probably around about the sort of figure we might expect maybe a couple of percentiles lower than that, I mean, thirty percent of draws in two thousand nineteen. That was a hell of a lot, really, when you think about it. Um, much higher than than I would normally um, expect, really. Um, we've got a question from uh, Chris Hillian. We're going to answer that in the second part of the uh, episode. So stay tuned, Chris, and we'll answer that one about Mulder and stuff. Matty Lewis asks some really interesting stuff about Strum's Goodset. Um, he says Matty Lewis. Uh, 11 on Twitter. Thank you very much for the question. 
Big Sam Tactics at Strom's good, sir. 21 big chances missed. Highest amount of long uh, passes, 860. Third highest shots on target per match. Leaders of possession won in the final third. Is there more to the side from Draman despite the figures looking quite route one? Discuss. Really intriguing one. It's actually got me thinking. I, I might do some sort of tactical analysis on this team coming up in the next few weeks because I, I noticed actually some of these long pass stats there when I was looking recently and it's one of those where, where actually if I'm watching them play it's not as obvious as you think to, to note um, I, like when I watch Strom's Godset play I don't think Route 1 football I don't think of this sort of Big Sam side so clearly the stats are sort of uh, don't really mix with what is playing out in your mind regarding the team they certainly play a high-tempo uh, pressing system, so that doesn't surprise me that the leaders of possession won in the final third. That that that, that part certainly makes sense. And third high shots on target per match kind of makes sense as well. They're a bit sort of scattergunish, if you know what I mean. But in terms of the direct and long-range passing, I can't say I noticed um, probably maybe as much as I could. 21 big chances missed. There have been, they've created opportunities. Some of the clinicality's not, not been there. Fred Friday... At one point, was a very different player away away from home than he was at home. Uh, he's missed definitely some big opportunities away from home. So, really interesting stuff, uh, Matty. Um, uh, thanks very uh, very much for that question. And the final one, which I'm going to answer in in this section, was from Team Overs. Team Overs, thanks very much for your support over over the years. By the way, uh, which team, regardless of league, has the best home field advantage? In Norwegian terms, for me, it's Molder. They just got this really strong record at the Arkett Stadium in the last two or three years. I think heading into this season, they've won 25 out of 30 fixtures here. They've won all bar one this year. So in total, it's something like 32 wins out of 38 at, at home in the league anyway. So I, I would say Molder, traditionally in some ge geographic terms... You're looking at Tromso down the years. Um, had, there was a massive disparity between their home and away results. You know, I'm not saying it was an exceptional home record, but they they would overachieve at home compared to what you might expect. That that seems to have changed in like the last three or four seasons they've been in Norway. So I don't know really what what the difference is. Maybe just teams are more used to travelling these days, or things like that. But traditionally, that would be um, a really awkward place. Yeah, definitely. I think that probably wraps it up for part one. But in part two, the main emphasis is going to be transfers. We're going to look at, um, you know, the window is about to close in, in Sweden. And I think the window is still open for a little while longer in Norway, but it's 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 uh, very much open at this moment in time, isn't it? We're going to get our yellow ties on like Jim White, and we are going to analyse the deadlines and the transfers that are going on. Because uh, I can say one thing for sure. Uh, Scandinavia at the moment, this moment in time is like uh, is like John Lewis on Christmas Eve. It's really uh, a shopping bonanza. So we will cover all the major transfers in part two, so that you're very much up to date with the big movers and shakers. Because there's been a lot of other other leagues pecking our pecking our league like flies, pecking our league like hens, haven't they? So uh, let's let's catch up on all that in part two and give you everything you need to know um, about who's leaving and who's joining. So tune in and join us after this short break.
Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. We are now going to dip into transfers. So this is going to be, you know, well, been a nice part one, really, haven't we? But this is where it gets a bit more, a bit, bit more juicy. Uh, the midway point of the season in terms of the league, you know, the transfer window in Sweden closes 11th of August. So by the time you listen to it, it may well have slammed shut. Uh, whereas in Norway, I think it's still got a little bit more time, which Steve will talk about in a second. But yeah, we, we, we've had a lot of business. And it's one of the things we talked about when we got to episode 100, wasn't it, Steve? How there's been a sort of a, a groundswell of interest in these leagues as, as we've been doing this podcast over the years. And uh, it's not because of us, I don't think. because also because of the quality of the league. And people are seeing there's a lot of gems in this part of the world. And, and really, we're, we're seeing that reflected in, in the market, aren't we, at the moment? There's been a hell of a lot of activity uh, in Norway, which is where we're going to start. Uh, I'm going to start you off, Chris. Uh, Chris. I'm going to start you off, Steve, with a question from Chris, uh, one of our regular listeners, uh, at Footy Analicris. Uh, I see what you've done there, Chris Hilliam. Um, he talks about a transfer, but it's also moulded in with a question about, about Mulder. So I'll read the full thing out. You guys touched on Mulder's XG last week, and they've since conceded three to Trabzonspor, which should have been more, and then four to Haugesund. So are there defensive issues there, which mean they aren't quite as clear-cut favourites for the gold? On top of this... How will they adapt to life without awesomeness? And does it provide the opportunity to change things in order to stop conceding so many chances? Cheers. Now, I'm not saying you have to answer all that, Steve. Maybe maybe briefly you want to touch on the, on the title chances. But it does kick us off in terms of transfers because Mulder have been a very busy team, haven't they? And they've, they've sold two of their players uh, to uh, to the Netherlands. And, and one of them that Chris mentions there, Frederick Orsness, uh, a defensive midfielder, has gone to uh, Feyenoord for you know, a good, good fee there, isn't it? It's meant to be about one, 1 million euros, roughly. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Will he be missed? And also Marcus Holmgren-Pedersen, who's gone to the final as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, welcome to part two. This is where it gets interesting for me as well. One of my cats has managed to sit on top of me at the back of my chair. And you know what happens uh, when, uh, when those animals get a bit uh, funny sometimes. So be warned, Jonathan. I may be disturbed at some point, but... Um, if you listeners hear a loud scream, then it's not me. It's going to be Steve, perhaps, uh, getting clawed. It's, it's my girl cat. She's uh, she's usually pretty damn good, so, uh, you know, she's all right. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting she's come and sat on me now. But, um, yeah, thanks very much for the question, Chris. And um, you know what? The First of all, regarding the Mulder, defensive thing I, I think it's just because there's been a build-up of games and they're in Europe and, and things like that take their certainly the Hogerson game I think they took their eye off the ball a bit and focusing on on Trasbon Sport Trasbon Sport just like I said they played really well I think Trasbon Sport are quite a good team from what I saw but um yeah um Feyenoord have come knocking on the door of Mulder which is interesting isn't it um Mar- Mar- Marcus Holmgren Pedersen I think I've talked about him before um, as for Frederick Orshness, well, he's been a key player for Mulder in, in the last couple of years. Um, he can, he, he's more of a defensive midfielder, but he can play pretty much anywhere in that middle of the park or even out wide, actually. Um, what's my best sort of role description of Orshness? Oh, God, it's really hard to say, actually. Yeah, he's, he, I wouldn't call him box to box. I certainly wouldn't call him like a deep line playmaker either. It's a difficult one to, to say what he is. Um, yeah. Central midfielder, you know, just a bit of everything, really. Um, but uh, he's twenty-five year old. 
he's approaching sort of that prime age of his career where he needed to sort of move away to a, a better league. And probably the Eredivisie is a good choice. Feyenoord, a big club, aren't they, there? And um, I was actually watching them in their the Europa League game, um, Conference League game the other day, actually. They, you know, well-supported club. And um, obviously they, they're focusing their attentions on Norway. And um, I think it's a good signing for, for Feyenoord. I think Mulder could have probably got double that fee, really. I think he's probably worth more. I, I rate him quite highly. And they've replaced uh, they've got one replacement, Sievert Mansverk. Now, we were going to talk about him on a, on a previous show, weren't we, Stephen? You, you kind of requested to put it into this uh, transfer bumper show. Mm. So tell us about him, because there's been a, quite a bit of hype on about him on social media. I don't know. I don't actually know a lot about him, because like, like I've said before, I don't really follow Obost again much. It's one of those things. I, but I, for example, Ben Wells, who's covered that league for m- numerous years, um, has been, you know, wax lyrical about Mansworth for a long time, and it, by the sounds of it, it was the expectation was probably in the off season that he would move away from Norway. He's that good, you know. So I, I, I think it's quite a coup of a signing for Mulder, uh, that a young talent from Songdal, you know, obviously again is is staying in the country, and um, most sources that you hear about would suggest he's probably only going to be at Mulder for a couple of years max. He's that good. Um, let's see how he does for them. Um, looks like a very good signing. And um, you're replacing light for light. And I've said before, the best clubs in domestic leagues, they always raid their fellow clubs domestically, You know, whether it be in the, in, in the top league or the second tier. I think it's good business. Rosenborg used to do this for, for years in, in Norway. And um, Mulder have done. I've been really impressed with their transfer dealings in the last three or four years. In, in general, um, they're well run in that regard. Yeah, well, what we can tell you about uh, about uh, Mansberg, he's already played three games now for Mulder, but uh, fifty games in the Obos League and uh, fifty-four games in total for Sundal. Six goals, six assists from the central midfield positions. Uh, he's played for Norway's under 18s so clearly some some talent there for the nineteen-year-old. Maybe it can something to be developed, uh, and yeah, there does seem to be a bit of a buzz about him. So, so keep an eye on him. Uh, do Mulder need to do any more business? I think they've got to obviously think long term about replacing Ohi, who will leave to uh, Red Star Belgrade in the in, in the winter. So they need to think about a striker long term, but not yet. As for the rest, there's three, still three more weeks left in the Norwegian transfer window. Thirty first of August teams have got until. Um. I don't see them losing anyone else now. So I, I don't... I, I, if they had to do any more business, I would say maybe centre-back could be an area because, you know, Gregerson can sometimes get injured. Um, you could say probably right-back, actually, if Harold Side's injury is going to be more long-term than we initially thought. So, yeah, right-back or centre-back is where I would say Molden needs to perhaps look at. But they seem well covered in all other areas right now. They've got good depth in this squad and uh, it's looking quite good. OK, let's move on. Uh, one team who hasn't been that active, so you can maybe uh, you know, brush past them fairly quickly, I guess. It's the Champions Buda Glimt. They, they've brought in one player, haven't they? Uh, with no outgoings as yet. Yeah, Joel Mogisha from Asane. Again, it's... <laughs> I need to start watching more of again matches, don't I? But I just don't really have enough uh, enough time but um yeah you know 
Buda Glim, I'm not, not certainly not one to question their transfers. They've they've brought some guys in from the lower leagues before, and they've done really well. I don't know. I I I, don't, I, I think it's unfair for me to comment on these players that I just haven't seen enough of. Uh, but Joe Mugisha, I'm sure he's one to watch out for. 18 year old centre midfielder from Asane, um, and Buda Glim don't need to do an awful lot either really in, in, the, in the transfer window at this, this point in time i think it would do them good just to keep hold of their key players um and then and go again in the winter if you had to pick an area you would say probably right wing maybe because of sandre Soler's uh season long injury but apart from that i would say they they just keep the squad together it's job done yeah i mean there's been some you know some talk about him there's people saying that he uh He's insanely good. I've seen on, on Twitter some things like that that they predict he's going to be a, you know, potentially a five million pound transfer uh, in a few years. Um, there's one comment on Twitter saying that uh, rumors about he has a heart defect. I don't know about that, but uh, I don't want to make any speculation uh, from that point of view. So yeah, a bit of an unknown quantity, perhaps uh, uh, someone will keep an eye on. Joel Mvuka Mugisha uh, from Asani looks like certainly someone who's raised eyebrows. A team that has been very active, Steve, is, is, is Volerenga, haven't they? Um, both in and out, there's there's been uh, quite a bit of movement. Yeah, and I'm sure some of these outgoings certainly caught even your eye, Jonathan, really, as a just a neutral in, in terms of football. Christopher Clarkson to Leeds United for 1.8 million. Aaron Dunham um, to Standard Liège for an unbelievably cheap fee of 1.35 million. What's that all about? Uh, Sam had a cook base on his bike as well to the Turkish league, Hattie Aspor, £360,000. They've also lost Felix Hornmeyer to Brian. They brought three new guys in as well. I'm going to talk about soon. But, um, I mean, Dunham too. We always knew we were going to lose Aaron Dunham this season. It was just a question of when, either be it the summer or the, at the end of the year. Um, it's no surprise he's gone to Belgium, standard Liège there. Um, 1.35 million. I can't, that just seems like daylight robbery to me. I mean, from I would say he's worth double that. He's an unbelievable talent, great player, rating rating really highly. I think he can go on to potentially really big things. You're 23 years old, maybe that's a reason. Uh, contracts as well. I don't know how exactly how long he had left, but that looks a fantastic piece of business for Standard Liège, I must say. Yeah, and um, you mentioned. I mean, how good is Donald? Because I've seen some highlights of him in Standard Liège already. Uh, doing fairly well. I mean, is he is he as good as you know? How yeah. far can he go? He, he looks top. I think he could go high. He could play in some of the top European leagues. I think with the right development, um, he's got it all. Really physically, mentally, he's, he's developed nicely. Some might say he perhaps stayed six months longer than he should have done in Norway, but maybe that was to do with like COVID and stuff. Maybe he couldn't quite find the deal he wanted last year. Feels like he's at the right age now to develop. Um, you know, I, I was watching Bordeaux against Clermont at the weekend in Liga. You got Elba Rashani came off the bench for Clermont um, and set up a goal. Now, Donham and Rashani are very similar players, and if if, if Rashani is ending up in in Liga, then there's no reason why Donham can't at least reach that level. Um, so I think the the future is very bright for Donham. He's a technical master, and um, I, I, I wish him well, and I, I think he'll go somewhere better and bigger than Standard Liège in time. Yeah, it seems like that's kind of the uh, the general the general feeling. Uh, there's been a few other departures that. Uh, mm. I want to... 
Sam had a good great. Sam Sam had a good great, a big loss because I, I think he's just a solid, dependable left back. Who they replaced him with someone called Leonard Zuta, and now I actually checked out this guy's profile on Football Manager because I knew nothing about him at all. Uh, they got him from Lecce in um, in in Serie B in Italy. He actually looks his profile on Football Manager looked quite good. Now I'm a bit, doing a bit of a big Sam here, aren't I? Checking this guy out, but he, I mean, in theory. On paper, he looks like an, an all right replacement, but I, I really liked Adam Cook. I think he was a solid player for them. Uh, Christopher Clarsen to Leeds, um, my own club. I'd say I was, I was kind of pleased with this deal because I, I do I rate this keeper. I think he what he needs now is good coaching, top class coaching. I think he'll get that at Leeds um, for sure. He needs to develop his his, his technical skills uh, both you know, on the ball and in terms of goalkeeping. Um, and you, some, you, just, you can't get that really high elite class coach in, in, in a place like Norway. You can't do it. So he'll come to Leeds as a backup to Melier and hopefully he will he will really improve as a goalkeeper for um, at least probably playing the cup matches and maybe the odd game when Melier gets injured. But um, I'm really interested to see his development as a player because I think his ceiling is quite high. I think there's a lot of room for his potential to grow. Um, it was, it's a good move for him. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think he needs to be playing first-team football. That's the good thing for class. And I think he just, as I say, just needs the coaching level to be high to improve him as a player that way. 1.8 million seems like a reasonable fit at this point in his in his, in his career. Um, got a work permit, did he? Yes. Um, it was on appeal. It was to do with, uh, he was he would have been playing games for Norway or in the Norwegian squad had it not been for, 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 for COVID. So, uh, you know, Leeds found a way around that, which was obviously good. Um, 1.8 million, as I say, I think, I think that's an okay fee for Volarenga. I'm sure there'll be some sort of percentage on that as well. Uh, going forward, uh, good move for both parties, but a big blow for Volarenga to lose their keeper like that, obviously, as well. Yeah, Zutta, he played, uh, he's played 80 plus games for Hacken, good, decent, solid left back, really. Got him, got a move to Italy, uh, and obviously, then maybe he hasn't quite worked out Italy. Um, but yeah, he 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 was a solid player in in Osvenskan for Hacken, so I think, I think he'll probably go quite well in Norway. Um, you know, for a bit of experience as well, 29. Uh, you've also signed Albin Moorfelt, who's come from Varberg Boys. Now, he hasn't played that much of Svensk game, but in the games he played, he was he was very uh exciting. He looked like he looks like a young prospect, uh, for Valerie to watch out for. They're 21 years old, right winger, uh, and also a player from FC Copenhagen, Nikolai Thompson, 28 year old left midfield on, on a free. So, some business there for Valerie. Will, will this affect their season chances? Yeah, I look, I think now it's. We, it's unrealistic to expect them to be challenging for medals because it's like the whole core of their team's been ripped out, Jonathan. Uh, when you lose, they lose a, a key player from all areas of the field. It's, it's too much to, you know, um, to expect them now. I think they've got to rebuild again and make sure they they, they need to replace Klassen. I think long term. This Do you think they'll uh, lose more before the window in? Don't think they will now. Surely, if they lose more, although if they are going to lose uh, players, probably might as well do it now, all in one go, right? Um, and then in the future, they can maybe have a year or two more of stability. Nikolai Thompson, he does actually have a Danish cap to his name. I, I don't know much about this player. He's twenty-eight year old. Maybe he can be quite good. Again, I, yeah, I don't yeah. know enough about it's it. Not, yeah, it sounds like they've got a lot of work to do, though, doesn't it? I mean, uh, mm, they do have a lot of work to do. I think. It's, let's uh, move on. Let's move on. Um, Rosenborg have been fairly active. Mm, they have, but, but the, I think really the big loss is Christopher Zakarius and Ferenc Varos. 
parents Roberts always seem to do good business by the way uh around the whole world i'm impressed with that club but 1.35 million they've lost him to there it seems like a little bit probably about a quarter of a million less than i would have hoped they would have got for him he's been their best player for the last two seasons so to lose him is, is massive um a couple of players have gone on loans as well i think out of the club they've brought in Ola Skarsham from Christiansen, very underrated player actually, versatile midfielder, can play anywhere. He might be able to shine at uh, Rosenborg, I'm not sure. They have brought in a centre forward from Vitore Guimarães called Noah Jean Holm. Um, very, I know nothing about this player. So let's see how he gets on. Um, but yeah, really, it's about um, Zakarisson's departure, how they're going to how they're going to cope without him and, and whether Scarsum comes in and, and makes an immediate impact. That's the big question. Yeah. And of, of the players who've left, I mean, you know, we'll run through it quite quickly because we, we, we can't really cover every team really on this show, but who are the, who are the biggest losses do you think? Cause I'm looking at some of these players who've left, you've got, you know, some quite big names, haven't we? You know, yeah. uh, Dada Bamba's gone uh, from Bran uh, as one example. He's gone to Turkey. Uh, you've got, well, my man, Bruno Bekenga. Lanzi. We talked about him, yeah. Bushaga Bakenga, I was going to say, who, who apart from Donham, who were the who were the who were the big departures? Yeah, Bamba's a, a massive loss for for Brannies. There was their top scorer this year, the only player really that can have any credit from from the season, I would say, um, so far. Um, in terms of goals as well, Musha Bakenga to he's gone to Japan of all places, a place called uh, Tokushima Vortis. They're not even in. I don't even think they're in the top league in Japan. Um, J J One League is that the top tier there? I'm not entirely sure. But uh, Bakenga had said pre going into the season he, he wanted to leave this year. Um, didn't affect his production. You know, he's one of those professionals who got on with the job and scored goals. I just don't see how they suddenly replace someone who who's just been an absolutely goal hungry machine uh, in the last sort of twelve months. Uh, and at the moment, they haven't replaced him. So. I worry for Rod in, in that regard. Those are probably the two that stand out big to me, uh, aside from, from, from the other teams. Um, a few, uh, Mikko Desla, sorry, as well, to Toulouse for nearly half a million pounds. Great signing for Toulouse. Desla, arguably the most consistent right back in the league in the last two, three seasons. Um, really impressed with him. I, think, I suppose half a million pounds is quite a lot of money, isn't it, for Hargerson? You know, they can't really turn that down, can they? Um, especially if the player wanted to move on to a big club. Uh, but they've done well. They've signed uh, Alexander Sutherland's come in. He used to play for them back in the day, 34-year-old. Uh, I do rate Sutherland, good poacher. And Martin Samuelson's back as well from Hull City. I mean, he's he's had more clubs than Tiger Woods, hasn't he, Samuelson? Um, but he, he was quite good on loan here uh, a couple of years ago. So maybe he can he can do well for Hull. Still only 24-year-old. But, um, yeah, odd. I worry for them. I worry for Volarenga's dealings. They've got to recover quickly. And and can, can Rosenborg um, bounce back without uh, Zakarisson? Okay, fantastic stuff. And, and you know, we'll move on, we'll move on shortly just to, just to wrap it up. I mean, there are a few interesting uh, signings. I think I think my Traore I, I like at a, at a, at a Viking. Viking. My, my, my Traore. Um, what I would like to ask you is, is in terms of the... Um, you know, if we're looking at the league table and 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 the second half of the season to come, we're nearly fifteen games in now. Some teams have played fifteen. The transfer window so far, 
who who are going to be the winners and losers at this point in time? Who who could be the ones who move up? Who can move down? Because you've mentioned Valerenga there, probably might move down. It's currently seventh. Um, who has anyone done business that's going to really define their season? I think Bran. You look at Bran; they've got to do they've got to do a lot, and they've brought in Board Finner from Sunday SK in Denmark. I probably pronounced that wrong. But, you know, Bordfinner was at Volleringa for a long time, uh, did well there. Sivert Helter Nielsen has come back. Uh, I, they've never really been the same since he left, actually, have they? Uh, he's such a key player for them. He was uh, in defensive midfielder there. He looks like a good signing. Jaffet Seri, a centre back, 21 year old centre back from FC Micheland. They've also raided Micheland for a keeper, Mikel Anderson. And Felix Horn Myra from Volleringa is, I think, quite a good signing. So, Brandon brought five guys in. They've lost Bamba. And they've lost uh, John Helga to Vita as well, and a couple of others to loans. But um, Brand could benefit. They could. They could certainly, if they can find ways to replace Bamba's goals. And let's be honest, Bamba wasn't always the most clinical, even this season. So maybe if someone converts their chances better, uh, like maybe Finner can be the man. Uh, you know, they could be a winner of the transfer market. Starbeck have been very active. They've signed a, a, an abundance of players. I want to mention Tom Patterson, who's come in to Lillestrøm. Um, but I think you say teams that might miss out. I think you can't just sit still. This is, there's a lot of activity so far, and we're still three weeks left in the window. I've never known anything like it, actually. To be honest, it's normally the amount the amount of transfers we've seen now is usually what it's like over the whole window. So I think the ones that the teams that are sitting still, like Sandefjord, you know, Sarpsborg are pretty inactive. Strom's Godse. I haven't really done much. Mjöndal and done a couple of things. Tromso, I brought in Christoph Cichet, an old fantasy favourite. But the teams can't sit still, Jonathan. They've got to keep looking for, for players, I think, and uh, otherwise they can uh, fall behind. Yep, that's a, a fantastic analysis. Yeah, and that's pretty much wrapping up the, the elitist area in transfer section. So... Uh, stay tuned. We are going to be uh, talking about the uh, the Asvenskan transfer window, which is virtually nearly done um, after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. Well, so far I've stayed intact, Jonathan. I've not been attacked by my cat. Um, so, yeah, the, the Aswenskan transfer window we're going to talk about now, and it's it ends on the 11th of August, so very soon. So far, departures fit, uh, have apparently generated £17 uh, million and the arrivals have only totaled £1.4 million. So... Uh, it's obviously a window of, well, as, as usual, um, players exiting the league, sadly. Exodus, movement of Jap people. And that is pretty much what, what has been happening in, in, in Sweden. Uh, and I think, you know, similar thing to, to Norway as well. Uh, in the, you know, classic words of Bob Marley, really. Um, but been a bit of a, a bit of an exodus, I think, I think in, in, in Elite Serie, and if I'm, I'm right in saying, they've raised about 10 million pounds uh and expenditure has been very very little mm. so uh yeah you know it is what it is we we know that some of these fees are undisclosed and things like that but 
but roughly speaking, yeah, it is about kind of uh, you know ratio of ten to one ish really in terms of ins versus outs, and 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 yeah, Sweden Sweden's no different. Um, been some big moves, and you know I think I discussed sort of in preseason that there had been a trend of um, players sort of uh, the recruitment at the moment has been very much from lower leagues of Sweden, uh, really in terms of incomings. Obviously now with COVID started to ease off a bit, you know clubs can be a bit a little, little bit more ex- experimental in their in their signings, which some clubs have been. You know we'll talk about Hacken maybe for example in, in a minute, uh, and other teams who have maybe dipped into foreign markets. But um, it, generally speaking, yeah, clubs have really it's been outgoings rather than incomings, and and uh, there's been some big names leaving the league. Yeah, the most expensive transfer going to transfer Matt, was. We talked about it before. Said Haskabanovic fetched, fetched nearly six million pounds for Norshipping uh, to Ruben Kazan. Um, like you said, a lot of these transfers the undisclosed fees, so you can't you can only really use seventeen million as a rough guide. But yeah, um, let's just talk about sort of the big clubs because um, yeah, their season now is is pretty much defined in terms of the the trans- obviously deadline day. We're not be able to cover that because we're recording before it. But um, Malmo then. Um, and we actually had a question, I do believe, about one of their players that have come in. There have been certainly a few loans have come back, a few of the transfers in. Um, no one really significantly out of the club. But do you think they're at the moment well set for the rest of the season? Yeah, there's been, um, you know, they've been pretty active. Um, I think that, uh, you know, if we look at their incomings, they probably they probably did need one or two names, I think. Uh, they've strengthened strength their centre-back position. Uh, with the signing of the veteran Nicholas Moisander uh, from Werder Bremen on a free transfer, he's already played. He, he played against Rangers, for example. He's played in the Champions, uh, Champions League. Uh, you know, he's had a very, very solid career. You know, Malmo do tend to kind of go for tried and trusted at times. Jonas Knudsen, for example, you know, they got from Ipswich Town. They, they do like to sort of get those players that they they know they know something about uh, at times, uh, and that's what they've done. Of course, he's played in Osvenskan already. Yeah, if you look at his career, you know, been at Ajax, been at uh, Sampdoria, been at Bremen, v- very, very experienced player. He's won titles abroad. So, um, yeah, they've they've brought him in on a kind of a, a year, year and a half contract, just to fit into that back line. He can he can sort of play uh, across the back five, if that makes sense. He can play in you know a back a back three, or he can maybe play as a, in a back four. So, slightly versatile there. Uh, the other name that's kind of uh, caught caught the caught the attention is Sergio Pena. Pena. Now he's a 25-year-old midfield, attacking midfielder from FC Emmen. Uh, paid roughly 900,000 pounds for him, which is quite a lot, uh, according to transfer market. Um, and I think he's a player who, you know, the other player they've bought is uh, Peter Guagis from uh, from Brighton's uh, 23. So I've actually seen him play um, as part of a consultancy work I do, um, looking at the PL PL2, uh, and I caught him in a game for Brighton's 23s, and he's a uh, I have to say I'm quite surprised Brighton. Uh, I'm surprised that Malmo have signed him. Maybe it's one for the future. I know he has got heart. I think he's got a Swedish heritage. Um, he's a sort of left-footed winger who can kind of play on the right, cutting inside onto his left foot. But I, I can't see him really making a huge impact. Maybe this season it'll be one for the future. Uh, they've also got Malik Abubakari, um, who has come in and uh, from from Portugal, and he's already he's already made a bit of an impact. You know, he's played three games in in Osvenskan already. He's he looks like he's going to be a a solid sort of starter, really, um, the Ghanaian. So, yeah, they've really kind of looked to strengthen key areas of their team. Uh, and as I mentioned, in terms of Pena, he's going to be expected to be, you know, Mal- Malmo have scored goals okay this season. They haven't been too bad, but I, I still think they can be at times a little bit, you know, lacking in creativity, especially if Berman Savic isn't on it. Um, 
you know, I think Berman Savage and Kolak have really added some bite to Malmo and some some youth as well and some energy. And I think Pena will will um will also do that. You know, I, was, uh, I saw a couple of comments about this player. You know, I don't know much about him myself. I'll be honest, but uh, we got a quote from someone called Marcus Bring, who on Twitter is a, a very good guy. He tweets a lot of analysis and things like that. He said he's a an above an above average creator compared to his peers in the Netherlands. One of the most progressive central midfielders in the entire league, an attacking midfielder who likes to drop deep and support the build-up play. And he posted a kind of stats radar and, and you know, in terms of his passing statistics, uh, in terms of the league's average, he was way above the league's average. Um, Pena, you know, averaging sort of about 83% passing completion, um, successful defensive actions, he's averaging about 7.3, uh, passes into the box about 3.1 per game, 3.3-ish per game sort of thing. So very much a, a creator, very much someone who, who, who can create and, and progress play. And I think that's kind of maybe what they need in, in that attacking midfield area, someone who can just add a little bit more. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how he gets on. I think he's one that will, will entertain Malmo fans. And just on the outgoings, uh, one of my 10 to watchers actually left. He's gone to Mialbi, I mean, Saar. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he could have a breakthrough season this year, but he's really, you know, I think my, my rationale was right. You know, they do need pace, Malmo. They did need a bit more energy in forward positions. But rather than play their academy players like Saar, they've 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 obviously dipped into the transfer market and, and bought players like Pena uh and, and Guargis and Abu Bakari. So Saar's gone to Miabi on loan. Um he'll try and continue his development. They're still very young, twenty years old. But uh, yeah, Malmo have really looked to solidify their first team, which uh, which will probably take them help them go to that next level. Yeah, he still might have that break breakthrough season, um I mean Saar. So uh yeah, and, and thanks for to Nick Nielsen Bean who uh, asked the question about uh, thoughts on Malmo's new signing Pena. Hope, uh, hope that gives you a little bit more information uh, about him there, Nick. Let's move on to uh, to your garden's transfer window. It's not the most active. Um, <laughs> a question for you actually, per Christian Bratweit, what actually went wrong for him at your garden? Because he's at Nîmes, Nîmes in France now on loan for the whole season. He's look, he looks pretty damn good to me still. I never understand why it didn't work out for him um, in, in Stockholm. But obviously the big transfer from Jorgan is Azalek von Wittry to, to AZ Alkmaar. Yeah, I mean, just to answer, just to answer on Bratfight, I think it's a, I think it's a loan move. Uh, yeah. He'll be back. Um, they have quite a few keepers. Um Garden. at the moment Zetterstrom's playing he's a player now he had a really serious injury and he's now sort of wearing a Petr Cech style kind of cap he, he had a, he was out for quite a long time had like serious migraines things like that he his career was in jeopardy at one point uh the youngster and he's really recovered well to to kind of recontinue re- re- his career uh they also have Tommy Vaiho of course you know the veteran they have Vasiutin who then did his did ligaments and was out for like a long period of time so they are a bit of a bit of a strange team, really, in terms of their their their, their goalkeeping options. You know, they, they seem to um, they seem to always have like quite a few options, and I think that just led to them allowing allowing Bradford Bradford to leave, if I'm honest. Uh, in terms of in terms of uh, Witchery, this is a big story, uh, and this is a I mean we mentioned it in part one of, of how this could affect the league. He, for me, is like I've said it before, pound for pound, the best player in the league. Um, he's got, finally gone now to 
AZ, I said it in the last show, you know, I can't believe no one signed him. Uh, maybe AZ Alkmaar were, were listening to the episode because they've, 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 they've paid the money now. It's roughly between 1.5 and 2 million pounds, roughly euros, um, to take him to, to the Netherlands Eredivisie. Uh, someone asked on Twitter earlier, can he get to that level of Eredivisie in Europe? I, I think he can, definitely. And it's a, it's a shame for the league because he is he's a fantastic player to watch. I've really enjoyed watching him ever since he joined the league, the Norwegian. He's now 25. I think, I think it's the right time to move. If, if I'm totally honest, I think he he risked stagnating. Maybe I mean he could have maybe gone to the end of this season and tried to win another title. But you know, ultimately, I, I don't think any fans can begrudge him uh, moving on now to such a big club like Alkmaar, who have done really good recruitment, by the way, in in uh, in, in Scandinavia. And and when he, you will look at it, you know, in total, 77 games, one league title, 13 goals, 12 assists from a right back. I mean. That is incredible numbers. 25 goal contributions in 77 games for a right back is, um, you know, I call, I've called him in the past the Trent Alexander-Arnold of this league, and, and and he really is going forward. He's exceptional. He's really a real threat down the right side. Great crosser of the ball. Good creator. Um, progresses the play well, and is also a good defender. So, you know, can't begrudge him the move. Powerful pound, as I say. I, I think he's he's been consistently over a number of years one of the top players in this in this league. And uh, he'll be missed. Yeah, Azel, Azel Alkmaar, you mentioned there. I mean, that's just nothing for them. They've just received about seventeen million for from Monaco for Myron Bordeaux, the striker. So they've got money to burn there. And based on what I saw of Bordeaux's debut from Monaco, they're laughing all the way to the bank for, for getting oh, that amount of money for him. He'll, um, he'll prove he'll prove himself. By the way, he's oh, you think player. he will come good? I mean, you yeah. can't base someone on one game, can you? But he, looked he, really he cool. played against uh, Hacker in, in Europe and absolutely ripped them to pieces for AZ. Uh, he'll, yeah. he'll come good, no doubt about it. But they certainly, you know, they're a club that, that, that sniff around Scandinavia a lot, aren't they? And also Eastern Europe, I do believe. Uh, Wittry, obviously losing him for your guns massive. We talked about that earlier in, in, in the show. You also say that he could really... What, what's the ceiling for Wittry then, do you think? What sort of level can he play at? Um, Champions League for a top Eredivisie club, definitely. Uh, I could, I could see him. I could see him potentially moving to a PSV or an Ajax if if it doesn't work out. If they don't sort of progress, um, if he doesn't do it there himself, you know, because they they've got, you know, like like you said, they've they've they reinvest quite well, uh, and they do they do like to tap the uh, Scandinavian market. I mean, it's not only him; they got. Uh, quite a few guests for Carlson, obviously, who used to be at Elsborg. Um, you'll remember him, they've got Hakon Evian, don't forget as well. So, they are they are definitely scouting these leagues, we know that. Uh, I, I think international level as well with Norway, he can do quite well. Um, I think he'll be fine in, in Alkmaar, I think he'll, he'll find his place. He'll have a bit of competition, no doubt about it, but uh, he'll find his, I think he could find his level there, and um. Not quite sure if we'll see him in the Premier League. The only thing I'd say is maybe pace-wise, he may be just lacking top, top speed for maybe a Premier League club. But I think he could certainly maybe play Serie A, somewhere like that. Uh, Bundesliga, if he if he was to progress on. I, I really rate him highly. I think he's, I think he's a, a brilliant player at this level. Too good for Osvenskan, ultimately. Mm. Yeah, and how do Jürgen replace him? I mean, are you expecting them sort of on deadline day to bring someone in or is, have they got players within the squad who will take over? Yeah, it's a great question. I, th- I think um, they've, you know, one thing that's happened with Jurgen is they've, with the Witchy transfer, they've been really highly praised for their for their business. You know, 
you know, that was a fantastic bit of scouting, really. Um, and I think Bossa Anderson, you know, it'll be up to him to maybe try and find another gem. They, they have been active in the market to try and bring in players, but they've actually loaned quite a few of them out. Uh, you know, Isaac Heen, for example, came in. Uh, there were a few others who came in, you know, in the pre-season that they thought maybe could uh, come in and, you know, be an eventual replacement in the back line. Um, I, I'm not sure, like Leo Cornick, people like that. I'm not sure if they're ready, um, but certainly they're always looking at your garden. So um, Corn- Cornick's probably the one that I would say he could get a chance now. Is he ready? I'm not sure. But I, I think it was you that told me that he's uh, fairly highly rated by by um, the people at at, uh, at Grorud, Eric Schoen, I think it was, on the podcast. So let's see. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Let's stay in Stockholm. Uh, AIK, not that much business so far. Um, they have pocketed nearly two million for Paulos Abraham. I think he was already on loan at Groningen anyway, wasn't he? Um, 1.35 million, supposedly, for Eric Karl to Aris GF and a couple of lads in, uh, one from the English leagues. Yeah, a bit of a strange one, this one. Zach El Buzedi, I have to say, I don't know huge amounts about him. I think he was at Bolton for a while uh, and Lincoln City. I really don't know where this has come from. Bit of a <laughs> bit of an interesting one. He's already played, you know, quite a few games in Osvenskan, four games already now. Um, so he's going to be part of their first team. Uh, I just don't know how the, the scouting went on this one. So it's quite fascinating if you did scout him get in touch with us you know get on the show um but the key thing really for aik is, is a goalkeeper that that's they're going to be very happy about that signing christopher nortvelt uh he's been at swansea of course in the past he, he joined from turkey 32 year old experienced player he obviously he's a swedish player himself so he's back home um they they really needed a top keeper if they're going to compete for the league you know the, the goalkeeping situation has been a real thorn for them for too long this season and there's so many goalkeeping howlers from Janosovic. uh god bless him you know, he's just had a terrible, terrible season and, and he looks, you know, players sometimes when they're in bad form, they get the, they get the jitters and he has had the Mr. Bojangles for quite some time now. Um, you know, he's really, it's just almost, it's just almost painful at times because you can tell he's lacking confidence, but he, he's trying his best. But there's just been error after error and um, they've, they've had no choice but to dip into the market and and, and, and Neufeld brings that experience. So um, two decent signings there. And, and with Carl. Good player, um, but they have Eric Otenio, Etoyano, the, the Kenyan. So they were always competing those two. So one of them was always going to get sold, really. And uh, and it's Carl. Carl will have a very good time of it in Denmark. He, he he can go on and be a very good player. I think he got an assist on his debut. Uh, I think Football in Denmark tweeted about it. But, um, yeah, good player, Carl. And uh, probably a bit of a shame to see him go, really, so so quickly. Only 19. Mm. Did the clubs like AIK and, and Jorgen and Hammerby do they need to keep selling these players just to keep their finances in order, really? Is it just that? Is that sort of where we are in, in life at the moment? Definitely with COVID, you know, they've had no, no fans for, for quite some time. These are mm. clubs that, that these are clubs that need fans, really. You know, it's not like the Premier League where you, you have big broadcasting deals or, or, or the big five leagues. The broadcast deals are, are quite small in uh, in these leagues. So match 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 day income is a significant portion of, uh, of clubs' income. Um, so if that can't be there, then then transfer income is the next sort of natural route uh, along with, alongside commercial deals. But even commercial, you know, in the last year have been have been problematic. So, yeah, this will be a period of, of sales, even more so than maybe normal, like you said, you know, 17 million already leaving the league. Um, but I think that's part of a strategy 
for clubs to to bring players from the sort of second and third divisions. And I think that's where we're seeing, that's where the market is right now. The clubs are kind of trying to be creative, get cheap players in, like I've said, Leo Cornick, Isaac Hine at Eurogarden, young players like that maybe to try and find the next witchery instead of buying ready-made product, which I, I don't mind. I think it's I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, you look at Elsborg, they've lost Akumu, who we've talked about, one of the top players in the league. Uh, EF Core sort of gone for more veteran players. Marcus Berg has come in, you know, 34 years old. Oscar Vent. Gustav Svensson, 35, uh, Rent, 34, Svensson, you know, they've gone completely opposite. You know, they used to be all about their academy and now they're suddenly, you know, turned into an old people's home. Um, Tollinson's gone, the 18-year-old. He's finally left to, to Lommel. Um, Alison Yusuf has been one of the best players in the league for some time, the youngster. He's now in uh, Antwerp. I saw they had a massive win at the weekend and he played. So good, good luck to the Nigerian. Um, probably a good move for him. Uh, so, yeah, I think clubs have to be have to be quite creative and um, there will be a period of selling your top players and and uh, one thing we know Steve in, in terms of trends a lot of these players end up back in the league anyway so you know you look at Bjorn Paulson he's back at Hammerby now scoring goals again you know from from the Bundesliga Zwei. Um so there'll be that market still for these clubs to sort of get players who don't succeed potentially back so you know um, that's probably where we are Nasiru Mohamed's back at Hakan for example after his time in Bulgaria, you know, so you do name people do sort of seem to leave and then come back eventually. But uh, yeah, it probably will be a little bit accentuated in this in this particular window, maybe next window. But uh, we're seeing little signs that things are going slightly back to normal now in terms of, um, you know, a, bit, a little bit of money there now, a little bit of money's coming in, fans are back slightly. So green shoots of recovery. Yeah, I mean, before we finish this section, I've got to talk to you about IFK Göteborg. Because, I mean, again, if you go back sort of the last couple of years, even two or three years, they, they really seem like this selling club these days. And um, it really, like you said, it's looking like a bit of a geriatric sort of ward, isn't it? The guys that are coming in, it's certainly the no spring chickens, are they? Is this, I, I'm, I don't like it, I've got to be honest. I, I, I prefer to see, you know, youngsters come in and develop players rather than bring in some veterans. Um, but can the likes of Marcus Berg, Oscar Vent, Gustav Svensson, can they really make an immediate impact for, for, for Jotterborg? Do they need that type of player? Well, we've done 101 episodes now, Steve, and you know me. Um, we've done, what, I think four, ten to watch. How many of my players have, over, have I ever picked over 21? I mean, uh, you, you know, mm. youth is my focus. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of it, I think. Uh, but Berg, I can understand, you know, in the games so far, he's looked like a decent um, focal point. Probably from his own career point of view, it was time to come back home. You know, he, he got a lot of stick in the Euros. You know, he, he was what, you know, you look at Saka and um, Rashford, people like that. Berg took a lot of abuse in, in the Euros from Swedish fans who were just sort of saying he's finished. Um, and that does take a toll on players and their families, you know, and I think that did have an impact on him. He got dropped by Sweden, I think, at one point. And, and you know, these things can, can take an impact. And he's back home now. Um, he does still have a part to play. I think he's a good sort of leader. He's good in the air. He offers something different for EF Core in that sense. He, he you know, like I say, he nearly scored the winner uh, against Hammerby. But uh, overall, I, I don't like. I don't like where they go. I, I say this. I, I seem to say this every every sort of three weeks. <laughs> I don't really like where EF Core are going. I, I don't know what they want to be as a club right now. And you know, when I when I was the, living there, I had obviously. Um, it was difficult to maybe give my opinions because I know some people there, but 
obviously the more distance you get, the more honest you can be. And just every year, I seem to see them going in, in different directions. They've got a fantastic academy, really good people working at the academy level, and they always bring through good youngsters. But they just always seem to kind of top that up with veterans, you know, because they're a team that have had massive success in the past. So a lot of their kind of top names are coming. They come back, you know what I mean? They want to come back and re restore the glory days. But sometimes, you know, those glory days are over. Le leave them where they are. Um, and some of them have come back and sort of retired. You know, there's been they've been they've had some bad luck this season with a couple of the players who came back have already retired through injury and stuff. So, uh, you know, Vern Bloom struggled and, and uh, I think Johansson struggled as well. So, um, I feel I just feel they're a little bit slow and sluggish uh, EF Core in in their midfield areas. Um, the, I thought Hammerby should have overrun them. Really, I, I was shocked. Hammerby they're not going to get any quicker, are they? Bringing the old, oldies like that? No, that's the thing. And you know, Yusuf was a massive part of the, their their game. Um, Tollinson's a good player. Maybe he'll come back on loan at some point. But Rick Strom, he was on loan at AFC Eskils Tuna, but. Um, Ashley Coffey, I think, on that episode said he, he really, really rates Wickstrom. Uh, Bromby have picked up a good signing there, I think, if if, uh, if Ashley's remarks are to be believed, because he's seen him at close quarters. So yeah, they, they just seem to be leaking a lot of um, a lot of their young talent and bringing in sort of um, experienced players. And I've had to downgrade my prediction. And I thought he have called maybe be top seven. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll be that now. I think they'll be around eighth, ninth. Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking down at some of the transfers. The rather unfortunately named uh, Varborg have signed a player from AZ called uh, Des Kuntz. Rather unfortunate name, that isn't he? He's actually started three games with them already. Um, there's, there's some really random signings uh, at times, isn't there? Yahav Grafinkel, a left-back uh, from Maccabi Hivers, come to Norshipping. Um, you know, but the, at the other end of the scale, Halmstad have hardly had any activity at all. So, um, find none, absolutely no, no arrivals, no departures. So, winners and losers from this window, briefly, Jonathan. I think, uh, an individual loser, Jack Lane. Uh, I worry about him. Um, the 19 year old, he's still got time at Amien, but not worked out from a hacker, and he's been returned on loan. I just worry about where his career is going. Such an exciting youngster, uh, you know, still young, but. I really hope he can sort of find a home, to be honest, because he seems he's just moved around so much the last two years or so, and just doesn't seem to have found a home. I had hopes that he'd get into Hacken's team, but it didn't happen. Um, Hacken, by the way, have signed a player from Nigeria called Franklin Tebo Uchenna, who they've got big hopes for. They were scouting in Nigeria um, at a tournament, and they found him and they brought him in on loan with an, a four-year option to buy. So um, you know, he, apparently he stood out in a tournament there, a domestic tournament, and, and they 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 came back and signed him. So um, they've done a little bit of business. Samuel Gustafsson as well is back in Sweden. Winners overall, I would say, I think Malmo done some decent business. I think that, you know, they've strengthened in areas they need to strengthen. Losers, I'd say, Eurogarden losing Witchery is massive. Uh, that's that's the biggest downgrade, I think. Elsborg have lost, but I think they've already kind of brought in a couple of replacements. They, they already knew that Okumi would leave. So I don't think you can, I don't think that's going to affect them too much. Um, yeah, Kalmar picked up over a million pounds for Fidan Aliti to Zurich. I don't know if that was already like a loan or something. That's, that's quite a lot of money, isn't it, for Kalmar? Yes, he was yeah, on loan there. He was on loan there. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. He's already he had already uh, that. I think that was already been done. 
they haven't quite brought in anyone else. They brought in a, a, a young forward, but not not too much else. Um, there's not much time left. Uribe have announced that they want to do some more business before the window shuts. They've been quite busy, actually, uh, Uribe. Um, you know, they brought in Jilouan Hamad is back in, in Sweden. Uh, they brought in a player called Nasser Moro. Basara is back, as always. He seems to always go off to somewhere like Saudi Arabia to get paid and then returns after six months. Um, he was in UAE, I think, at Hatter Club for six months uh, on the nice fat contract, and now he's back at Ordebro again. So seems to have some sort of cushy arrangement there. Uh, um, so fair play to him. Um, but those kind of players are the kind of players they need some creativity because they, you know, they've been desperate this first half of the season. So I think they've done okay. Uh, and of course, then we end it with Ostersons, who still have their transfer ban and can't buy anyone. But but interestingly enough, Charlie Colkett's back. Uh, now he had refused to play for the club. Um, in the first half of the season, basically, and came back to England and declared he was leaving, basically. And, and I think he was on trial at Coventry at one point. Um, seems like it's not worked out for him. Uh, and he's now back and he played against uh, Hacken. So, so yeah, I guess uh, that whole... Um, I guess they have got one transfer in that sense. A very, very good player on his day, the Englishman. Um, but I think he's been a bit of a naughty boy in in the last six months or so, really. Maybe thought he was a bit a bit bigger than Ostersons and... Um, He's now back there on a new one-year deal. I mean, regarding Jack Lane, I, I would love to see one of these clubs in our friends can go for him on loan again, um, you know, on deadline day, because it just it isn't working at Amiens. I mean, he started one game and then he's back on the bench for two. I read somewhere that lang the language barrier is a problem for him in France. Um, in fact, the whole club, they've got some issues with different languages uh, upsetting, but, you know, it's a very weird place for him to be. Uh, Amiens in France it doesn't feel like type of play not the sort of league for a goal scorer fast player like him i would love to see an Svenskan team go in for him but i don't think it's going to happen is it but uh even even super Etten, i think um you know he's a kind of player he was so exciting when he was at Bromo Poikina, but he left too early a bit like benjamin negan you know if you look at where he is now i don't don't think he's really progressed um i i would have liked to see uh, ah maybe even going to super Etten team would, would would suit him just just find a home for him I always seem to see him and Romain Gaul out and about. If that makes you know, Gaul's obviously. I think he's left Audubon now. They always seem to be, you know, the two players who are full of. They offer a lot of excitement, but just hasn't really, just hasn't really worked out for them in the last sort of year, two years. Um, Gaul's still only twenty six. He's gone back to Malmo now, but I, I can't see him getting too much game time there. Um, so yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but. Um, yeah, some, some, there's been some really interesting transfers. I think that pretty much wraps up the episode, Jonathan. Um, very good stuff, as always, my friend. Um, where can you find the key socials accounts of yourself? Yes, you can find me on Twitter. at uh, You can find us on Twitter at Nordic Football. Uh, Patreon as well, patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. We may have a bonus show coming this week. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see how we feel. But stay tuned on that on Twitter. Keep an eye out. Uh, and you obviously, as always, I'm on Twitter at JF Football, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. Yeah, you can find me at Mean Man Soccer on Twitter. Thank you very much uh, for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And we'll be back again, uh, hopefully, next week. So take care, stay safe, and goodbye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>